Um, so for, for men, uh, what we find is that there, there's manly things. Like there's two types of movies. There's chick flicks and then there's good movies, right? Um, there's, there's all kinds of manly things. Let, let's name off some manly things. And everybody, anybody can name them off, man or woman. Okay, I'll get us started. WD-40, manly, right? Duct tape, manly. Two of the manliest things. If, if you have those two things, you are well on your way to, to winning life, basically, right? Uh, what are some other manly things that you can think of? Explosion. Oh, nice. I like the way you're thinking. Okay, what else? Chuck Norris. The ladies are showing us up here, guys. Come on. What'd you say? Flannel. Flannel. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Mullets. Mullets. I'm, I'm growing the beard out this for this man series. Last year, I did grow out the mullet. I, I didn't get as far as I wanted to with it. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pull that picture up, and I'll have it for next week. That was, it was pretty, it was pretty sweet. What else? Manly things. Monday night football, the Pelicans. That, that, raw, yes, WWE. Trucks. Man, I'm getting pumped. What else? Come on, give me some more. This is great. Camping. Camping, yeah. I was talking to, talking to Josh. Green Berets. Right? Navy SEALs, that's manly, right? Meat. Meat! Yes, meat. That's incredible. Whiskey. Whiskey. (laughs) This is New Orleans, for those of y'all that are visiting. (laughs) What else? One more. Give me one more. Something, I mean, it's got to blow up. There you go. Nice. Well, we're not going to talk about any of those things, but we are... Going, I just wanted to get us in the mood, right, and get us in the right frame of mind. But I'm really pumped about this series, um, and if I'm screaming, I've got like a little head cold, so I'm not trying to scream, it's just I can't hear myself. Um, but at the end of the series, I think we're all going to have, like all the guys, we're all going to have chest hair and back hair, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we're all going to have full-blown beards. I've, I've gotten started early on mine. I knew ahead of time I was going to be doing this. Um, we're all going to be wearing flannel. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think we'll all either at least be researching to be loggers, don't you think? I mean, I've been doing some research because I've got a tree that's dying in my front yard. I'm going to try to chop it down myself. My neighbors all said I'm going to kill myself because it's huge. But it's going to cost like three, $4,000. I don't have that kind of money to, for No, it's not even over my house. It's over two power lines. One's my neighbor's. They don't like that. So so anyway, you're you're probably wondering, okay, if we did a series last year, and some of y'all think we did one last Sunday and concluded that, why are we doing another one? Here's, Here's why. Men easily lose sight of who is in charge. We, we easily start to think, I got this, right? That's, that's a common phrase in my head. I got this, right? I can chop that tree down myself. This is no problem. I've been doing research. I know how to tie ropes around myself and pull myself up now. I, I, I'll, right? Knowing me, I would, ch- I would chop off this side with the limb and I'd fall. Anyway. But we think, we kind of fool ourselves and we go, I got this. And we want to put God to the side and say, I can handle this. And so, for instance, I can't tell you how many, just through counseling and just knowing 
guys, I can't tell you how many people I know that are committed to the gym or they're committed to work. I mean, just nonstop going, 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 but they can't commit to a woman, right? I know guys who are incredibly aggressive at work, uh, or my boys have started playing baseball. They're doing baseball tryouts. And I coach, I've coached the last two years, but we're moving up into the next league. And these guys that are in this league coaching are incredibly aggressive. They're, I mean, they're like, rah, rah, rah. I mean, it's like cavemen. I'm like, what in the world are you teaching these kids, you know? They're incredibly aggressive. But I don't know about these coaches, but I know a lot of guys who are really passive and just hands off at home, right? Um, guys will spend three hours doing research for a TV. Get this. My TV at home, the remote didn't go out. The sensor in the TV that accepts the remote signal went out. Do you know how annoying that is? It is, I mean, just unbelievably annoying. And my kids love to watch Andy Griffith, so i got to get up off the couch now and go on the TV. It's like I'm living in the 70s, right? And, and I'll do research. I'll, I'll, I'll three, four hours just to find the best TV. But sometimes I know guys and even myself, sometimes I get up and I'll get busy, 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 and I'll spend five minutes in God's Word, right? I know guys that love God, they love their wives, but they get trapped in this lustful, secret world. And so with our last man series a year ago, it was called Fight. We showed a bunch of Rocky clips. Y'all remember that? Um, It was a good challenge in leadership for men, and so I figure we're due for that also. And as I said, ladies, don't give up on us, okay? Because this is the guy you want to look for. This is the guy you want your husband or uh, boyfriend to be. All right, so here's the thing with Samson. What we see is God wants to do something amazing in your life. Guy, girl, it doesn't matter. He wants to use you. And with guys especially, he wants to do something supernatural in your life. And historically, there has been a shortage of godly men. Historically, there has been a shortage of godly men. In fact, in, in Scripture, in Ezekiel 22.30, God says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. How sad is that? There wasn't one godly man in Israel who would stand up for him. And God calls men to lead. Now, I know in our culture this isn't popular. I know in our culture this is one of those things. But God calls us to lead our families. Not in dominance, but in love and in respect. He calls us to lead in integrity. He calls us to lead in courage. He calls us to lead in character and honor. He calls us to impart spiritual wisdom to the next generation. And he calls us to lead in the church as well. But when you look at our culture, um, you see a lot of men just being boys, right? Um, And you see women leading in those areas. And if we don't do it, God will raise up women to do it. In fact, in, the, in Scripture, God raised up a woman named Deborah because there wasn't a man that would stand up and lead. And she led, and she led well. God gave her the strength. But it's not the way that he intended for us to live. There are roles. These are not like you be in the kitchen, you go out and be manly. It's not like that. 
not in any way. These are roles that God has asked us um, not to play, but to live. So we're going to look at what it means to be a man, warts and all, in this series. Um, now let me ask you this. <clears throat> what do you guys know about Samson? What have you read? What have you been told? What do you remember? Uh, what, what stands out to you? Downfall was a woman, right. What did you say, Ashley? His hair was his strength, right. Ate honey from a lion. We're going to look at that today, yeah. Uh-huh. Push down walls of the temple. That's right. Yeah. Now, now Ashley kind of pointed it out. For most of us, we've probably heard that his strength comes from his hair, right? You know, he had strength, and then the hair got cut off. Strength was gone. And for a lot of people, maybe, maybe if you're not a Christian especially, people kind of look at this and think of it as a, a fable or a, a tale, right? I mean, that's just silly, right? Hair does not give you strength, right? Not, not in our, our modern uh, uh, world. And so <clears throat> I want to challenge you, however you've thought about Samson. We're going to look at chapters, uh, Judges chapters 13. I'm not going to give you a quick overview of 13. 13, 14, 15, and 16 through this series, not just today. Um, and I want to challenge you not to come to any conclusions until you have read and heard, and studied, and meditated, and, and, and really fully understand this whole story and background of Samson. Um, and if you do, I think you're going to really be able to relate to him, especially guys. I think we're really going to be really able to relate to him and how God used him. Now, let me give you kind of chapter 13, a little bit of background before we jump into scripture. Um, Israel has become evil. They, they had this whole cycle. They would, they would follow God, then they'd get real high on themselves, think they were hot stuff, and then they'd start turning against God, following other gods, and God would bring somebody to take them over, right? It was this cycle. It happened then as they got taken over, um, after years of being under somebody else's rule, they would come back to God, and then God would take away their captors, and they'd be free again. So it was up and down, up and down, up and down. Well, they are in, uh, at the end of a down cycle here. The Philistines have come. They've taken over. They've been ruling them for about 40 years. And they're coming back to God. And so God uses this couple, Samson's parents. They've been barren all their lives, haven't had a kid. And this angel tells the wife, whose name we don't, we don't know, uh, that she's going to have a son, Samson. And she tells her, he tells her, that Samson is to be a Nazarite from birth. Okay? Now, what's a Nazarite? A Nazarite was a normal person, right? Not a priest, regular guy, regular girl, but they were fully dedicated for the use and glory of God. So, uh, the Nazarites took three vows, uh, and if you want to go back and look, I can, there's details about each vow and all that stuff. It's in Numbers chapter 6. But basically, their three vows were this. Don't drink anything fermented, right? No Coronas, no vodka, right? They couldn't live in New Orleans, basically, is what it is. Don't drink anything fermented. Don't cut your hair, okay? And the long hair, <clears throat> the reason they grew it out, was that it was an outward symbol of the inward vow that they had set, uh, been set apart for God. 
And then don't touch anything dead. Okay, no dead animals, no dead people. God is a God of the living, the living soul, the living body, the living spirit. He is not a God of the dead, right? And so Samson, we're going to see, is a picture of our own humanity, of our own struggle. Um, Our struggle with sin, especially guys, okay? And his accomplishments are, are, are legendary, right? I mean, you name some of them off, right? He's pushing down walls, right? He's killing lions, eating honey, right? But his weaknesses are just as legendary. And so, just like us, uh, Samson had tremendous God-given talents and strength and upside, just like you and I. We, we have, maybe not necessarily in strength, but God has given us these talents and, and abilities but Samson self, self-destructs. Samson was a torn man, a sinful man, a man with the same triggers that most men have today, and he was also a redeemed man. And so if I could sum, sum up Samson here, he's an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. He is an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will will now let's let's look at judges chapter 14 we're going to look at 1 through 10 today and um, let's look at some of the these things these attitudes that make strong men weak and really these apply to both sexes okay Uh, attitudes that make strong men weak but they really apply to men Uh, verse 1 it says samson went down to timnah where he saw a young philistine woman When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Okay, so let me stop there. Here's what's going on here. Samson just thought she was smoking hot. That's that's what it is. Samson's like, whoa, look at this girl. He goes back to his parents, you know, because you got to have your parents talk to the other parents, and, and, you know, it wasn't like today. Um, And he's like, listen, she's smoking hot. I want her. He had not talked to her. He had not, all he had done is seen her, right? I guess he loved her eyes and her feet. Or I don't know, who knows, but he loved something about her, right? He hasn't, he just wants to satisfy carnal behavior is what it is. Now, Timnah is in Philistine territory. Samson lived in a, in a village called Zora, right? Z-O-R-A-H, not Zoro, okay? Um, and it's four miles away. So why is he walking from Zora all the way, four miles away to Timnah? He's got everything he needs in Zora, right? He's wandering around. What, did he hear about this woman? What's going on? We, we don't really know, but you can see something's going on in his head. Th- verse 3, his father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She is the right one for me. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. So here's the thing. <clears throat> he says, get her for me. I know, she's, I know she's the one for me, right? Never talk to her. There's not a guy in the world who would do that. There's a TV show on now. I saw, I, we don't have cable. We just got the, 
Yeah, it's like, like they meet them at the altar. What kind of fools do that? I, I mean, it just blows my mind, right? And I understand there are some cultures, but to willingly do this when you're, it's not in a culture, you never talk to them, that, that blows my mind. And so here's the thing. Samson, he doesn't ask for what is right. He doesn't ask his mom or dad what's wise, what's good. He doesn't care what God said because God says, you don't marry people who don't follow me. Right? It wasn't like you just marry an Israelite. Let's keep it all in the clan. It was those who follow Christ. And so he didn't listen to anyone. You know why? Because he's a man. That's why. Because he's going to do what he wants to do. This is the attitude that he has. His sin here, we need to understand this from verse, from verse 4. We can, it can sound confusing. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord. It's not that his sin is from the Lord. The sin is from Samson. That's all Samson. Okay, That comes from within. There's no help there. But God is going to use his sin within the plan that he has for Israel nonetheless. Okay, So here's what Samson's got going on. Lust. It's just straight lust. I want it. Right? I want it. And this is not foreign to most men. Verse 5. <clears throat> Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Apparently that, the tearing a young goat is easy. I, I don't know. Um, but he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. So, so apparently, uh, it, Samson's wandered off because the parents don't know about it, okay? They, he's wandered off, and something happened. He's far enough away to where he can actually get into a fight with a lion, right, and destroy this lion. Now, notice what it says. Well, first, let me, let me ask you this. When you look at this story, this is another opportunity for you to go, ah, I don't know. I mean... A man tearing apart a lion, really? But let me ask you something. Do you, and this is a hypothetical question, you don't have to answer, Alan. Do you believe that God can destroy what he has created? You know what I'm saying? And if you believe that God can destroy what he has created, do you believe that God can use you or me to destroy what he has created? I believe that he can. That's why every time we go camping, I'm like, we're going to go wrestle a lion. We're going to go find there, where the place where we go is like 120 acres. There's supposedly a, a mountain lion out there. We're going to go find that thing, and we're going to tear it apart, right? That's, that's my goal. Never find it. It's so, it's so disappointing. Um, but listen, listen, notice where Samson's strength comes from, right? It isn't his hair. Notice what it says. Suddenly a young lion came roaring. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. It's not his hair. It's God. And so the hair is just a symbol of his strength. And at the point where he loses his hair, that was the point to where it had become a, a symbol of his degraded life. 
the self-destruction that he had caused on himself, and God allows him to face the consequences of his sin. Right? It didn't have to do with Delilah taking the cutters. Right? By the way, he had dreadlocks. It says he has seven, seven uh, uh, locks of hair. So manly, right? Dreadlocks. Now, with, with this lion, here's how terrifying this would be. I went to the, to the zoo a long time ago and, and kind of got a behind-the-scenes tour. Um, and there's this lion named Bubba that was there. And he was supposed to be out. He knew he was supposed to be out, but he was still in his cage. So uh, this, this guy named Earl, uh, a friend of ours, took us around, and we got to see Bubba. Play, play this video uh, real quick, uh, Matt. Okay. Where's he from? He, uh... <laughs> now, Bubba's just cranky, but you see that growl? Imagine if, if a lion was actually trying to kill you. I mean, that's, that's no problem, right? Samson tears this lion apart like a young goat, right? Apparently, that's like paper, I, I guess. And so I look and I see Samson, and I look and see how strong he is. And up there, you know, it looked like I kind of stood strong. I froze is what it was. I was just like, oh, I, I consider it a win that I was able to control my bladder, okay? That's, that's how scary that really was to me. So he touches something that's dead here, Samson does, because he killed it. And this is confusing because one of the Nazarite rules is, suppose, is, you know, don't touch dead things, right? But the particulars of this rule, if you go back and look, read in Numbers chapter 6, um, are that if something happens and someone drops dead or something drops dead right in front of you, it's okay, it's, it's still not right for a Nazarite, but it's okay. What you have to do is you have to shave your head and then start all over with your dedication and your, your life of dedication to the Lord. Um, but you know what Samson did? What's it say he did? Nothing. He didn't tell his father. He didn't tell his mother. Nothing. He didn't repent. He didn't do what God had asked him to do. Verse 8 and 9. It says, sometime later he went back to marry her. Right, so, so at least now he's talked with the woman. All right, she's suitable. Still smoking hot, that's why he wants to marry her. He went back to marry her, and he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. In it was a swarm of bees and some honey, which he scooped out with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Now notice in verse 8 what it says. Sometime later, he went back to marry her. He turned aside. Isn't that always the case, especially for guys? We're focused, we're, on, we're with God, and then something happens, and we turn aside, right? Normal men are the people who do this. It's not crazy men, it's normal guys. Normal guys do this. We do break vows for a handful of honey. We'll leave a faithful wife for someone who will eventually leave us. We will go out and get expensive cars or boats or houses and 
instead of investing it where God wants us to invest it. Normal men will find cheap thrills with a computer screen instead of a, a meaningful relationship. Normal men, but not godly men. Godly men seek God all the time. Not that we're perfect, not that we, we don't uh, mess up, but we don't want to be like Samson. And so he's chasing after the wrong girl. He's touched a dead body. He should have cut his hair. He's betrayed his parents because look what he did to them. Not only did he eat it, right, but he gave them some too. Now, as a guy, I look at this and I think, killed as a dead lion it's kind of gross but like he got some honey out of it that's kind of cool right? you know it's like it's like this manly it's like it's like a, a five second rule right you know it's like it was a five day rule right it's, it's, i mean is that okay you know and guys guys you know not literally i don't think any of us would do that but it's whoa bees and honey and a carcass of a lion let's take a look at that somebody snapchat that or something right and and, and so we look at this and as guys we're just gross we really are, right? I mean, this is why we, why we smell our clothes before we put them back on, right? It's like, it's okay. It's good, right? None of you ladies do this, right? No, no. My wife wonders how, how, how long I'm going to leave the pile of clothes next to my bed. She's like, how long is that going to sit there? And I'm like, till it stinks. I mean, really, what, what's it matter? And, and so with Samson, we can kind of relate. But the problem is, He's betrayed his parents. He's taken the honey. He's sinned against God. He's touched, he's touched the dead animal. And then he goes back to touch it, takes the honey. And then he actually gives it to his parents and stains them as well with this honey from a dead carcass. Sin, that's kind of the way sin travels uh, in Scripture. So he's chasing the wrong girl. He's done all these things, and he's betrayed his parents. This is not good not a good guy verse 10 <clears throat> verse 10 says now his father went down to see the woman and samson made a feast there as was customary for bridegrooms now here's what we find with samson not only did he have this lust but with the with the lion and the honey he had entitlement right he says i deserve this I killed this lion myself. I deserve this honey. Honey wasn't, wasn't like Walmart. You could just run down and get it. You know, honey's expensive uh, now. But just think back then, if you wanted honey, you had to go through some serious torture to get it. And so he does. I, I deserve this. And here we see Samson throwing himself a little bachelor party. Okay? Now this word feast, it's the Hebrew word mishta. It means a feast, a party, a celebration, an occasion for drinking. So it's not only a bachelor party, this is a nice little kegger, okay? Tap the keg, bring in the boys, let's have some fun. Now, in New Orleans, you see it all the time. You go to the quarter, we, we understand that. But he's a, he's a Nazarite. And he shouldn't be doing this. He's not supposed to have anything fermented. But you know what he says? The pride. I can handle this. I got this, right? I got this. Common phrase in my head. It's okay. I got this. I'm strong. I want it. I can handle it. I deserve it. Here's what happens with this thinking. Um, 
for modern guys, when we fall into this thinking, what we are trying to handle, what we think we can handle, will end up handling us. The substance, the lust, the object, all of a sudden that thing has a lot deeper payments than we thought it would, right? We're addicted, we're drowning in debt, we're in a miserable relationship. I just wanted a few drinks, right? Deserve a few drinks, I can handle a few drinks. You smoking hot, right? I just wanted her to stay the night. It was okay, right? I've spent a lot of time and money on this girl. I hear that a lot, actually. And I'm like, whoa, she's an object. You fast forward to the end of Samson's life. He's captured. He has his eyes gouged out, which you think is manly, but nobody wants it happening to them, right? <laughs> On a movie, sure, that's, that's crazy but not in real life. He's the laughing stock of Israel. He's the laughing stock of the Philistine. Um, and this is what lust and entitlement and pride do to every man. Not that your eyes will gouge, be gouged out, but that your life is going to spin out of control. I know guys who are divorced. They've got no relationship with their kids. They're a financial wreck, and it was all for a handful of honey. And here's the thing. Samson has a lot of yets in his life, and you don't want yets in your life. And everybody has them, but it, you know this is a point in our life where we can say, I don't want a yet. Samson's birth is announced by an angel, yet he compromises his vow for a handful of honey. Samson's set apart and chosen to deliver Israel, yet has uncontrollable fits of rage and anger. Samson is massively empowered with superior strength, yet later in chapter 14, he uses that strength to kill 30 men, and he steals their clothes to pay off a gambling debt. That was what they were gambling for. He tears apart a lion, he kills a thousand enemy men, yet has an insatiable weakness for women. But it does not have to go down that way. With God's power, you can be a man, a woman of courage, of strength, a godly husband, a godly dad. But here's what you have to do. You have to stop trying to be strong. What? That's all like, that's a man. You have to stop trying to be strong. Don't be like Samson with the long hair. Outside he looks good, like he's following God, but inside he's a wreck. He's a mess. His heart is drifted. You want to be a strong man of God, you have to admit your weaknesses. Our God makes weak men strong. So let me give you three attitudes real quick that make weak men strong. They're the reverse of what we see here in Samson. The first attitude is, I want God. Not, I want her, I want that, I want this, I want God. I want his word, I want his conviction, I want his leading, I want his voice in my life. I want his respect. As guys, and we've talked about this before, guys don't, hearing the words, I love you, yeah, that's fantastic, great, we love you too, right, okay? Yeah, love you, love you, right? But when you tell us, 
I respect you. Ho, ho, ho. That's, that's where it's at for guys. I really respect you. When Leave tells me that, I'm like, ho, ho, ho. How you doing, girl? It's amazing the difference those words have with a guy. I respect you. I want God. We need to understand what we deserve. We are not entitled to anything. We deserve death. We deserve death. The, the Bible says that our sin, the, it deserves death. The wages of sin is death. We aren't entitled to anything. God doesn't owe us anything. In fact, he paid for everything on the cross and should have never done it. And so when we understand this, that we deserve death, we can truly walk humbly with him, putt-putt or not, right? We can walk with him humbly. And the third thing is, instead of I can handle it, I can't handle anything without God. Especially for men, the only um, way that we can be strong is to be on our knees before God. The men who change the world are the ones who admit their weakness before God. The ones who confess their sins to God. The ones who spend time with God. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Be strong in Him. That doesn't mean we don't go to the gym. All right, That doesn't mean we don't lead. That doesn't mean... But we get all of our leadership from Him. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says... He said to me, this is God speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Grace is God's unmerited favors. It's God giving you something you don't deserve. Right? Mercy is God not punishing you for something you do deserve. You all always hear grace and mercy. Grace is God giving you something you don't deserve. And it says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. His power comes out of us when we are weak. Therefore, I will boast, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that, the, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So counterintuitive, right? Especially for guys. I mean, I walk around that ball field. I, I was telling a kid something the other day. I said, you know, this is how you do it. And Another coach comes up and he goes, not only is it like that, but we do it for this reason and this reason and this reason. You know, and I'm like, he's not in the minor leagues, bro. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, he's not ready for that. You know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm just like, I just walked away. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're so manly, dude, <laughs> in such the wrong way. He wants that power, and he's trying to just portray that. God says, you want to be powerful, be weak, and come to him. Acknowledge him. Give all of your sins, struggles, and weaknesses to him. And watch him do stuff in you like he did in Samson, even though Samson just blew it. Watch him do stuff in you that you never thought was possible. He will make you the strongest man, woman, child in your family, at work, wherever it is. He will work through you. It will blow people away. It will blow you away. But it's in your weakness that he is strong. And it's in your weakness, because of that, 
that you are strong. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son who epitomizes this concept. He was the strongest man to ever walk, yet he submitted to you every moment of his life. It's that word submission that we as guys have a really hard time with. May we follow your son's example. Your word says he could have called angels down to pull him off the cross. He could have, he could have at any time said no, but he died willingly. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we thank you for Samson's life, who seems to be the exact opposite of, of you, Jesus. We ask that you would teach us, help us to know and understand how to walk with you, how to submit to you, how to give our weakness to you so that we can be strong in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.